Hey y'all, thanks for joining me. This is video three in our poolside series, Encountering Jesus in the Waters of His Word. And today we're going to be talking about a willingness to let God see in. And what does that really mean, a willingness to let God see in? It's really this beautiful place of vulnerability that we get to enter into with the Lord. It is not at all like being vulnerable in this world, which I can tell you these past couple of months, I think we have all experienced what being vulnerable in this world has felt like, and it has felt very difficult. It has felt discouraging. It has felt confusing, frustrating. I could go on and on because I can tell you every single one of those emotions has manifested in our home from the oldest to the youngest. And, um, you know, it's been a really really fascinating, challenging time, learning how to um, stay safe, keep our family safe, learning how to manage new routines, establish new routines, learning how to live with all of us under one roof, nobody getting to do and exercise the freedom that they've been used to having and how that can create a lot of pent up frustration and anger and confusion. And so sometimes when, when we're getting ready to enter this topic of vulnerability today, we might think, you know what? No, I've, I've had my fair share of it these past few months and it has been nothing but unpleasant. But you know, worldly vulnerability and being vulnerable before the Lord are drastically different. And so I wanna highlight that a little bit as we get started. And then what I wanna walk into is we have this beautiful uh, choice of being vulnerable before God or staying in this place of what we all do so well, which is control. So I'm gonna highlight the difference between uh, being vulnerable before the Lord and exercising control. But first of all, I wanna explain that the vulnerability I'm talking about is this beautiful place of allowing God to see in all the facets, all the, all the places of our hearts, all the dreams of, of our future, the hopes, and sort of just laying all of that upon the altar of his heart and allowing God to, uh, to breathe into those for us. And we find that we are accepted, that we're wanted just as we are right where we are, that God is not asking us to show up in a cleaned up, straightened up, buttoned up form. You know, we've all heard that term, uh, put on your Sunday best. God doesn't ask us to do that. In fact, he asks us to come just as we are, right where we are, and connect with him. And we're not really used to that. You know, in this world, we learned early on that being vulnerable and showing up just as we are, just as we really felt inside, maybe wasn't always the safest. We learned early on that people don't always keep their word. People can be cruel. People uh, can be destructive. And um, the world can be a scary place. The world can be unsafe. Uh, people can um, not be genuine or they can act like they're going to be genuine and then they can turn around and harm us emotionally or physically. And so we learn through these unwritten rules of our society that um, the being vulnerable with each other is not always the safest thing to do. And um, human nature, and all of us in our human nature, all of us and left to our own human mindsets truly crave power and control. 
Um, we don't necessarily always crave authentic connection. We, we like power and we like control. In fact, our whole world is built upon who's in power, who's in charge, and who has the most control. And um, those become the operating systems around us. And um, they're not always useful. In fact, a lot of times those types of operating systems of power and control do more damage than they do good. Although necessary when you have masses of people, but when, the, when they're left in the hands of those um, who are craving destruction and not connection, it can be a very topsy-turvy place. So when I talk about vulnerability with the Lord, I'm really talking about um, that place where we just get to show up and ask God to, to breathe on everything that, that we're doing and that we're thinking, whether it's been to our benefit or not. It's really this beautiful place of redemption. I mean, redemption really starts in those most vulnerable places. In fact, when we move out of what we see as weaknesses or messes or um, faults, he sees those as opportunities for strength and determination, and he sees our willing heart. In fact, Jesus always looked past what people were telling him, what people were saying to him. He had this great ability to discern the condition of people's heart, not necessarily take them at their word. He always looked past what was presenting itself and looked at, at, at the posture of their hearts. In fact, um, the most unlikely people, that's why the most unlikely found themselves free at the feet of Jesus. They found the true redemption in Jesus the Christ who came and um, sat himself among the most unlikely, the most unpopular, perhaps even some of the most unwanted in society. In this section, we're going to meet um, just those very people. We're going to meet someone who's a man of power, and we're going to watch him fall at the feet of Jesus and be incredibly vulnerable. We're going we're gonna to meet a woman who's trapped in sexual sin and her vulnerability before Jesus allows herself to be free. We're also going to meet uh, a lying public servant who uh, comes to meet Jesus and decides that he's willing to be vulnerable and confess and, and confess that Jesus is his Lord and give up his ways of greed and lying. And we're also going to meet a woman who reaches out from this place of desperation and disconnection simply for the freedom and the life that Jesus offers. It's really a, a, beautiful, a beautiful chapter of, of watching these positions of vulnerability and, and where they go. And, you know, that's where his miracles landed on those whose hearts were willing to let Jesus see it all and not hold back, and not withdraw, and not control him, and, but to embrace him and allow themselves to be embraced by him. See, you know, we often equate vulnerability with exposure, and exposure sounds very painful, but God sees vulnerability as an invitation, and it's this invitation for his kingdom to come, for his kingdom to touch you, for his kingdom to heal you, so that you can go forth in fullness and strength of Christ and then turn back and shower this world with the blessings and the beauty that you yourself have received. It's, the, it's this beautiful place of being filled up and then being able to turn back and strengthen and give out. So we know that God is the God who sees all. In fact, in Genesis, he is El Roy. He is the God who sees all. So there is nothing that actually surprises him. There's nothing that catches him off guard about us. 
There's nothing about us that he looks at and rejects. In fact, you, Jesus is what he thinks about you. Jesus paid a mighty price. And so Jesus is what God thinks about you. And he sees you through this lens of Jesus Christ, which is pure and innocent. And he understands what all the temptations and what all were dealt with in this world and how things can get so upside down so quickly. And God is just beckoning us. Would we be willing to let him see in our hearts? Would we be let, willing to let him have a say in, in when we feel alone, when we feel distraught, when we feel confused? Would we be willing to let God near because he's always near? And the more and more that we learn to tune out sort of the, the disenchantment, the uh, discord of this world, and the more that we tune into his redemption, we uh, become bold in our posture of vulnerability before him. In fact, we begin to know that that is the place to be. We no longer allow shame to keep us hidden. And so we are able to go to God quickly, knowing that being vulnerable before him is the, the, the most free we could be while we're living here on earth. And we cling less and less to control and the illusions that control wants to paint for us. You know, control is a very seductive vice that we all use because like I said in the beginning, as humans, we all crave power and control and, and it becomes a, um, a vice that we use to make our way through this world. And sometimes it's very useful and sometimes it's very effective, but most often it can be quite harmful, not only for us, but for others around us. And, um, in order to be right from God, in order for us to be right with God, we need to let go of control because the only kind of order that control brings when we're with God is sort of this place of restrainment. You know, if I'm, if I'm so convinced that I need to control the people around me and I need to control um, my atmosphere and the things that happen to me, then there is no place for God to move in my life. There is only a box that I want God to fit into, and he is so much bigger and greater than that box. So um, it, control is really a stumbling block. It is really a wall that, w that gets built up around us, sometimes for self-protection, sometimes because it's all we've ever known or learned. And oftentimes it has helped us, but what it does is it completely hampers our connection with the Lord. So I'm not talking, and I want to make it clear, I'm not talking about self-control. Self-control is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And um, self-control is a gift that uses our vulnerability and our weakness to produce strength and resilience. So self-control and actually being controlling are two very different things. We all need self-control to help us create structure and to help us create um, productivity and to help us um, have a place for our thoughts to land and to know right from wrong. That's very different from control that is used on ourself and others in our environment to feel powerful, to be in charge, to, to keep ourselves in check and to keep those in check around us. It, it becomes this operating system that we use to present these sort of false, fake snapshots of our lives versus what's really going on inside of us. And it gets established in our lives. And, and we see it when we use sort of these 
it, it's established through strict rules. You know, it gets established early on as children. We learn that, um, you know, our parents can be controlling. And so we learn how to operate under certain levels of control. Or we see young children get in power struggles with one another of who's going to be in control. Or we see it in a lot of times in peer groups. You know, you've heard that term of like there's the queen bee or you know, sort of the the kingpin of it all. And it's that person that wields the most control. And we're either a controller or oftentimes we're allowing others to control us, which is more like that posture of a doormat. Um, And so control gets established through high levels of disapproval in our lives, whether it's growing up, whether it's disapproval from teachers, parents, siblings, friends. And it's often laced with guilt, shame, and criticism. And so we learn that we don't like guilt, shame, and criticism, especially criticism. So we go into this mode of, okay, not only do I have to come under their control, but I have to learn how to control the other things around me. And um, I know personally, I was very good at shutting down and controlling emotions when I grew up. I just knew that emotions were not something that we really talked about in our house, didn't really have a language for, and... um, when unpleasant emotions would start to rise to the surface, I learned very early on how to shut those down because they were uncomfortable and could not be trusted. So, you know, that whole pattern of control that we use is really to intimidate and manipulate in order to dominate. And we find it very useful and our world finds it very useful. And like I said before, we allow ourselves to be controlled in various ways and we use it on ourselves and we use it on others. And we We um, like to control, to influence, and direct others to get our way. We're all very good at finding ways to get our way. So vulnerability is not something that we're really used to. It's not something that we're used to operating in. It's not something that we find easy to understand because we live in a world that values control and sort of crushes anyone that is vulnerable. Um, We think it's weakness, and it's not. In the kingdom of God, vulnerability is the most powerful position that we can actually have because it allows us to be filled and equipped and empowered by the Lord versus coming to him with a wall. When we come to the Lord with a wall, then he has to, to work with us to chip that wall away versus when we come and say, Lord, here I am. This is everything about me. You already know it. This is who I am. This is what I look like. You know what I sound like. You know what my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions are. They're not always good. They're not always happy. They're not always kind, but God, you are. So Lord, I ask that you would fill me with who you are and you would help me release the unpleasant, the unkind thoughts, emotions that I may be having. It can be just as simple as that. So vulnerability really takes, um, it takes us unlearning what control has taught us all these years. And so what I want to do is I want to I highlight um, sort of the way that control sets us up in our life right now and and so that we can we can sort of discern and decipher the language that control uses because this is what this connection study is all about it's all about this incredible awareness of um understanding the mind of christ that we've been given you know there's that scripture that says take every thought captive well the way that you do that the way that you walk that out is by becoming aware of what these voices such as control sound like 
because that's not how God sounds. It's like the chart that we did at the very beginning in the introduction video. You created that chart that says God on one side and not God on the other. So today we're gonna to focus in on control because control is really what blocks us, what holds us back from being vulnerable before the Lord. So it erodes our connection to God. It's, and it's all done because it's out of fear. You know, fear is at the base of control. Fear is the fuel for control. Fear of being out of control. Fear of not being wanted. Fear of not being liked. Fear of not being accepted. Fear of not knowing what to do. Whatever it is, fear is the fuel for control. And if you find yourself partnering with control quite a bit, you might begin to ask Jesus, Jesus, what am I afraid of? What if I am I afraid of that's keeping me using control versus connecting with you. Control sets us up to actually be apathetic towards God, uh, to be very indifferent and passive in our faith. Um, you know, it allows us to show up on the outside in, in church or maybe even in a, a group Bible study that, that sort of is, is superficial, but we hold back in our hearts. So control is that piece of you that's always holding back a little bit. Like you may say, you know, I want to enter in. I, I want to know the Lord more, but there's something holding me back. Well, I might ask Jesus if that is control. Control is also fed by having to have your way. Woo, this one, I can tell you, we all struggle with that. We all orchestrate situations um, by manipulation, which sets us up to actually work in opposition to what God is doing because we're so focused on the outcome and how it has to go my way versus focusing on God and what God has for us. Control is also what distracts us from plugging into his word, his heart, um, because control makes us always sort of scan the horizon, sort of be on the lookout for what may be coming our way next so, so that we can stay in control versus watching what God is doing in our lives to see what he has for us. And control easily gets um, locked into offense. If you find yourself offended quite a bit and really wanting to stay in that place of being wounded, I might check for how much you crave control because control has a really hard time letting go of offense. It really builds this platform there in offense and woundedness versus a foundation in Christ because it has to have a problem to control and fixate on to legitimize its use. And control is deathly afraid of being vulnerable and how that may make us appear. And when we, um, when we allow God in, when we allow him to unravel what has kept us bound for so long and allow him to see in as we drop this cloak of control and reach for connection instead, it is this beautiful place of redemption and freedom that we may not have been able to allow ourselves to have before. So I want to make a quick chart with you real quick um, about how control sounds versus what Christ says. And I want you to just take a, you can even write this in your study. You can take a piece of paper, just draw a cross down the middle. And then one side says control says, and the other says Christ says. And um, we're just going to write down quickly what control sounds like. So control is going to sound like this. The first thing it might say is, keep it to yourself. Whereas Christ would say, hand it to me. Whatever it is, 
Let's say I'm sad about something. Control would say, just keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Whereas Christ says, hand your sadness to me. I want to speak to that. So control says, keep it to yourself. Christ says, hand it to me. So you can write, control says, keep it to yourself on one side, like that. And then over here, number one would be, hand it to me, just like that. You may be reading that backwards, so we'll go down. That's our first one. Our second one we're going to write under control says is stay afraid. Control likes it when you stay afraid because then it has a use. But Christ says, steady your gaze upon me. I'm your constant. So number two is control says stay afraid. But Jesus says, steady your gaze on me. Number three, control often says be quiet and look the part. Just hush and look the way that you need to look to perform. But Christ says, I've looked for you. Be still and know me. So where control says in number three, be quiet, look the part. Christ says, I've looked for you. Be still and know me. Number four, control says, don't let anyone know. In other words, don't be authentic. Don't be transparent. Don't be vulnerable. Don't let anyone know. Christ says, I know everything and I love you. Isn't it amazing the difference between the way control sounds and the way that Jesus sounds? Number five, control says, keep it all under wraps. Just, you better keep it together. You better hold it together. And Jesus says, unwrap my gift of freedom for you. Where control says, keep it all under wraps, Jesus says, unwrap my gift of freedom for you. And number six, the last one on our chart, control says, you can't do it without me. This is the, this is the way control ends up intimidating us. That we're thinking, oh my gosh, if I don't control my child, if I don't control my husband, if I don't control my friends, if I don't get to have my way, I can't do it without control. Where Jesus says, you can do all things through me and I will strengthen you. So your little charts in, ends up looking like this. And the great thing about this video and the great thing about it is that it's pre-recorded, and therefore you can... Um, you can pause it and go back and do the chart again, and you may even have, you know, some of your own things that you want to add in. You know, we grow awfully weary and exhausted trying to live our lives, controlling others, controlling ourselves, living alone and living apart from him. And the beautiful thing is you now have this awareness um, of how control operates and then you have an awareness of what it sounds like to operate from the mind of Christ. And you're going to dig deeper into that when you dig deeper into uh, allowing God to see in in this particular section of the study. To wrap up today, I want to read out of 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And this is from the Passion Translation. It reads, If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in heaven, and in the heavenly tongues of angels. Yet I didn't express myself with love. My words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. 
And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that I could move mountains but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give everything I owned away to the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind. Whoops. To all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving, and love is the absolute foundation of Jesus Christ. Control does not understand love. Vulnerability understands that in order for us to truly love God, we must allow him to love us right where we are, as we are. So I want to leave you with a couple of questions that you can ask Jesus on your own as you, as you finish up the video, or even as you do the study, you can write these down and then and do them on your own time. The first question would be, Jesus, will you show me a place in my heart that I've kept hidden from you? Jesus, will you show me a place in my heart that I've kept hidden from you? The second question is, Jesus, is it safe for me to let you in there? Jesus, is it safe for me to let you in there? Third, Jesus, what do you want me to know about your love moving into this hidden place? Jesus, what do you want me to know about your love moving into this hidden place? And lastly, Jesus, is your love safe? Last one was Jesus, is your love safe? Y'all, thanks for joining me. I look forward to your comments, to your feedback, to your questions. You can always write your comments on the social media posts where you're viewing this or um, DM me or maybe you're watching this on um, the website. You can always go to my website, www.ashleykinsel.com and email me there. Uh, I'd love to answer any questions or comments that you have. So I'm going to wrap us up in prayer, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Lord, I just thank you for our time together. I thank you that you are leading us into this beautiful place of vulnerability. Thank you for making us brave and bold to come to you just as we are. And I thank you that, Lord, as we do that, that you just cover us with your mighty love, your extravagance, your grace, and your mercy. I thank you that you have a place for all of us, and that is a place of full acceptance just as we are. In Jesus' name I pray. See y'all next week. Enjoy and take care.